everyone. My name's Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is episode 114 of the show, again. What? <laughs> because this is our second time recording this episode. Hey, yay. We, 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 we made it through 113 episodes without having to do a re-record. And I honestly, Mike, I felt a little braggy about that. Like, oh, we've never lost our audacity recording. Yeah. <sighs> that is pretty amazing that it took 113 episodes to get here, though. Yeah, it does I think, happen. I think yeah. one time I got scared that mine wasn't saving, but then finally it didn't crash and it saved. That was like the closest I've come to sweating. Well, we definitely had to sweat. See what happened, and doesn't really matter, but um, Audacity had a glitch, and I saw the glitch, and I was like, okay, I know how to deal with that. And then 30 seconds later, I did the exact wrong thing. <laughs> well, that'll do it. Yep, and 114 was just suddenly gone, and there was no retrieving it, and it was just like, oh, well, crap. Okay, so here we are back again. Now, this is the first time y'all have heard it, folks, but we're owning things right up front because, you know, it just makes it easier. But I think it's going to be okay because, luckily, I have a very short-term memory for starters, so I don't remember mm-hmm. what I said the first time, so it's going to be all fresh again. And two, we've, we're we not re-recording it immediately. We've actually already done another episode since this one. Right, so 115 so, is already up. So we're kind of just backtracking. So it's been a, I think it's been enough space where we can just get through it and do it again. I think so. But if anything yep. at all seems stilted or weird or anything, that's why. But we're going to dive in. This is a podcast that goes through all of the Marvel superhero universe adventures from the beginning. And today we are in January 1966, continuing on with the first issue of a brand new series. Woohoo! Yes. Now, we had to cancel one series last uh, last month. So Journey into Mystery, after 125 successful issues, is gone. And we have a new issue that picks up the numbering because Marvel does that sometimes. Do you think, like, I don't, I've never read, like, the history of, or if there is a history of how this stuff is decided, but were they just sitting around going, hey, do you guys realize that we've called Journey into Mystery Thor number such and such, like, 58 times now? Do you think we should just... Call the magazine Thor. That seems reasonable, and I feel like if Captain America hadn't come along, the same thing would have happened to Suspense and Iron Man. Because they were calling yes. Suspense Iron Man, both yeah. on the cover and in the letter columns, until Cap came along. Yeah, and then he got the number. Yeah, eventually, whenever it does become a feature title, he gets the 100. But this That's is really Thor 126, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, we... Uh, <laughs> The cover layout is literally identical, except they took out the little journey into mystery with at the top and mm-hmm. just raised the Thor logo up a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, it looks pretty cool. It does look cool. I just got to find it on my little list here. Here it is. Thor 126. Thor is fighting Hercules. And Jane is in the background going, please, no, stop. Yeah. All right. Oh, I should also say we're going to also cover this episode, Tales of Suspense 75, Strange Tales, no, that's a lie, Tales to Astonish 78, Sergeant yes. Fury 28, and Tales of Suspense 76. Yes. Looking at the wrong line of my notes. This is called Whom the Gods Would Destroy, another mighty Marvel instant resume. Hercules has come to Earth. He's got the big eye for Thor's chick. That sounds rude. Goldilocks is bugged but good, so they are <laughs> fighting it out. That's uh, that's as painless as we can make it. Um, yep. Featuring the long-awaited clash of titans between Mighty Thor and Hercules, they said it couldn't be done. And here are the guys who almost couldn't do it. 
Stan huh. Lee, the literary lion. What was that? Nothing, just laughing. Jack Kirby, the penciling pussycat. V. Coletta, the delineating dragon. Artie Simic, the lettering looks it. So, there we're All right. He does it to um, himself. Thor fights Hercules and Thor loses. The end. Mm. Pretty much. They're, they're fighting, and the whole time they're fighting, Odin is up in uh, Asgard fuming over the fact that his son has fallen in love with a mortal. Because remember, Thor unmasked to Jane Foster to swear his love for her, and Odin's like, No, son of mine shall love a mortal woman. I'm Odin of Asgard. I'm the terrible father. So mm-hmm. he's watching... Um, Thor and Hercules fight, and he thinks that maybe a really good thing to do to punish his son would be to sap half his power. But again, yeah, again, yeah. But this time he doesn't feel like he can do the deed himself because even though it is a just ruling, he might end up losing the fight to Hercules and even being killed. So it's like I can't do it myself. So you, Sadring the Merciless. Come here, I give you my powers. And Sadring is like, okay, I'm your advisor and have been for all of these comics you've never seen me before. Please give me your powers. And yeah. so Odin gives Sadring all of the Odin force. Sadring mm-hmm. does the deed and um, saps off half of Odin's strength. Uh, Hercules throws a built half of Thor's strength, sorry. Hercules throws a building at Thor's head and. Um, Thor almost doesn't get back up again, but he does get back up again, realizing, though, that he is now weaker than once he had been. And after a few more blows from Hercules' fists, Thor goes down. All of the crowd is like, yay, Hercules is awesome. He's not wearing a shirt at all. And Thor must have been a chump all this time because he lost a fight. In -hmm. fact, this one guy says, let's go make movies in Hollywood. And Hercules is like, oh. That sounds good. Let's go make movies in Hollywood. Um, Thor gets back up as like, don't you still love me, people of Earth? And the people of Earth are like, no, we're shunning you, Thor. Shun, shun, fee shunned. Except for Jane. She's like, Thor, I still love you. And Thor's like, no, do not pity me. I am unworthy of your love. I'm unworthy of being Thor. I'm unworthy of looking into the face of the readers. I'm going to turn my back on the camera and walk away. And um, Odin's voice says, hey, Jane. Um, you should go be his friend. Psst, it's me. It's really Odin. And Jane's like, okay, I'll go be his friend. So she follows Thor into the sadness, and that's the end. They have not undone the reveal. I think I'm just realizing right now. Yes, the reveal is still there, and it stays. I mean, this is this wow. is the way things are, which wow. is kind of crazy. It is, because usually in Thor especially, it was always like, some big major turning point for Jane only to be completely undone the next issue. Which is kind of, you know, sort of the Superman aspect of him, right? Like in mm-hmm. early days, we, you know, there was a lot of easy ways to compare Thor with Superman. And this is another one. Mm-hmm. The, people like to make the joke about Lois Lane not realizing that Clark was Superman. No, Lois Lane figured out Clark was Superman. <laughs> Lois Lane figured out Clark was Superman <laughs> 77 and a half times. <laughs> right. But Clark always got out of it. And in the in the Bronze Age, if you relate 70s comics, Lois is like, no. You see, Lana, you might still think he's Superman, but I used to think he was Superman. And he has shown me so many different ways that he is not Superman. He is not Superman. Yeah. 
So Clark yeah, just but relies on I guess the Thor and uh, uh, Donald Blake isn't so precious. So I guess it's fine that by uh, 1966 that's thrown out the window. I'm just kind of surprised. I thought it lasted longer for some reason. Was it somebody in our feedback episode who said they'd never even heard of Don Blake? Oh, wow. Well, that doesn't surprise me either because, like, really Thor is Thor, you know? Right. And someday they'll retcon that Donald Blake is really Thor. So, uh, yeah. I mean, it's not a big loss, but I'm just amazed sometimes when things are permanent in these early comics because a lot of times they're not. Especially big things. Yeah, in issue 125, I had thought that maybe Odin was going soft at the end of the issue. I misread that. Uh-huh. He was definitely not. He is, until the very end of this issue, he is full-on bad dad. He has gone full boil on <clears throat> Thor in this. I, 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 read, I read it the same way. I remember thinking, like, oh, he's regretting what he's, that he lashed out, you know, or told all of Asgard to kill his son. He was regretting that. That's a good dad, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I say that somewhat sarcastically. But also the bar is not very high for Odin, so it's true. I think in this one, it's like he's kind of struggling between his king hat and his dad hat. Because like you said, like the king made a decree, but now the king doesn't want to carry it out because that's his son. So he gives it to obviously evil, never heard of him guy with the weird eyebrows power right? to do it because he's that's his son and he can't do it himself. And it's worth noting this is Sadring's first appearance. He mm-hmm. is in a little trio of issues. 126, 27, 28, and then he's gone forever after that. So I expect he's going to play a notable role in this little arc. He has forked eyebrows. I'm sorry, don't judge by appearances, but if someone has forked eyebrows in Asgard, especially when they when they draw them in like that, I mean, those things are natural. He plucked and drew on his his forked eyebrows. He's obviously sending a message here. And when you give him the power cosmic and tell him, "Can you use this on my son?" and he looks at his hands and they're glowing, and he says, "My power, unlimited power." That that's not a good sign, right? And as we're going to find out as we go along here, this is not just a sham. Odin has literally given the Odin Force to somebody else. Yup, expecting to get it back. Yeah. But now Odin doesn't have his all-powerful, all-father of power anymore. He didn't give it to Baldar. No. Because Baldur right wouldn't too. have done it. Oh, yeah. I guess Baldur wouldn't have gone against Thor. Baldur's way well, too Well, I don't low. know. I'm up to – I'm yeah, he's always defending Thor, but I don't know if he could. He would directly defy his king's order either. Hmm, I don't know. Yeah, he did because he didn't kill Thor last issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Baldur's a really bad um, um, disciple, subject, whatever you call him. And I do hope that Odin remembers to undo this because last time he took away half of Thor's power, they never undid it. So this is half of half. Yeah. He's got like a quarter tank now. And I was thinking that he's at half power and still lifting his hammer, which means he's not just strong enough to lift his hammer. He's twice as strong as he needs to be to lift his hammer. Because we still have not established that it's just about being worthy. Right, it's about strength. And, yeah, it's about I'm, strength. I'm, I'm flipping through these pages, and I don't see his hammer. Oh, uh, yeah, it disappears, like, after the building, right? Yeah, so he, it does. So he should be Don Blake by now, probably. He, by the end of this story, he should definitely, there are definitely uh, more than 60 seconds passing there, but they so, forgot to count down. So like maybe, when, when, maybe when he gets enchanted with a half power, they took away the Don Blake problem, and we don't have to deal with that anymore. Maybe. Um... You said at one point, or I said at one point, that Hercules is kind of like Thor in his younger days. And even Thor says as much on page four. He's like, this reminds me of a, a younger version of myself. 
So yeah, he knows how to have fun. He likes to drink. He likes to, you know, have fun times with the women. He likes to be a real Klingon and Thor is more like Worf. He likes aspects (laughs) of being a Klingon, but he doesn't like the party part. Right. Yeah. You know, Worf is, Worf is an interesting story. And like, I'd love to explore the idea of cultural appropriation and like finding a culture that you weren't actually brought up in, but you would have brought up in if you had stayed with your birth family and like the dynamics of that. I just, uh-huh. I'm curious to have some dynamics on a set with a sociology specialist on that. Um, we've glossed through the fight, but man, it's really well drawn and mm-hmm. fun. Um, and I was just thinking that fantastic four this month is also crazy good in the art so kirby just like knocked two books out of the park like it high is, high quality yeah and there's lots of variation i mean I, I did in my description i did not go blow by blow in the fight oh. but there's lots of variation there's lots of settings there's lots of the equipment they're throwing at each other he throws a train there's a building um there's yeah. that one big full page spread of mm-hmm. them just like pounding each other's face mm-hmm. uh, they mess with the constructicons <laughs> right they definitely destroy New York. It's really awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this is a much better um, like redo of the first time they fought in the annual, which we kind of yawned over. Um, yeah. I don't know. That, I don't know that fighting over Jane is a much better motive, but at least it's a motive where they had none before, kind of. And uh, having Odin invested emotionally in the helps too. Yes, I actually felt for Thor, you know, and Jane, or I don't know, like. I can't remember how the scenario – like he shows up and Jane's like there with Hercules and he's like, dang, girl, you know? Like I don't know. I kind of fell for that a little bit. So, And I can see these two fighting over something like that. Um, Thor says something on page 11. He says um, – oh, yeah. Hercules punches Thor and Thor goes down. Thor's like, what has befallen me? For the first time, I am truly staggered by a single blow. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, Thor, you've been alive for a long time. Yeah. Is this really the first time you've gone down with one hit? Because I don't believe you. Well, let's see if we can prove it in our own reading. Can we think of a time he's gone down in a hit? Mm. Like Hulk? Has Hulk ever punched him really hard and he said zounds and fell over? I don't know. Usually he's... <laughs> Hulk usually, punched him into the side of the ship. Remember that? It's like, and Thor goes flying. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But mostly right now, Hulk and Thor seem to be pretty even. I don't know. I can't think of a time when he's just been like lambasted before, but this doesn't mean it didn't happen. Yeah, True. Um, the guy who asks them, asks Hercules to go make a movie, uh-huh. looks just like the guy from the Avengers 4 who uses the weird video camera to turn the Avengers into statues. Mm-hmm. And I can remember his face because, like, they go looking for it. There's, like, all the pages are like, oh, that doesn't quite look like him. Oh, there's a quite, <gasps> that's the guy. And this is the guy right here. Is it he's, really the guy? No, it's not the same oh. guy, but That'd be I cool bet you. I bet you he's a broccoli alien underneath that face. Uh, yes. I like that Hercules is just like, movies sound like that's up my alley. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Because there's girls and booze. Okay. And money. I like all those things. Right. And people will, you know, look at me and I'll be famous. Hercules really likes the fame. Yeah. He's like, I like I'm like, I'm going to live that forever. Hercules is fun. I'm glad he is now in our life because apparently he shows up again soon. So. Yeah. He, um, he even takes a little detour into the Hulk. Which we'll talk about yeah. in a few minutes. We're not going to talk about the detour in a few minutes, but um, okay. The that only thing fun. I had on this is uh, mm-hmm. the surprise that Odin actually makes a good decision at the end. He does. It's interesting that Jane's just like, 
okay, let's do this. Big giant pointy finger in the sky. <laughs> but maybe she doesn't realize what's happening. She thinks it's her own decision or something. Right. I don't know. I do like the description. A voice quivering with desperate pride. And he describes himself as a shamed and remorseful father. Like mm-hmm. he did this, but he is not yeah. proud of himself for doing it. Yes. It's hard to stick to the rules when they're about your son. You know what, Odin? It sucks to suck. Stop making stupid rules. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Now, before we do the tale of Asgard, I need mm-hmm. to apologize to our Asgardian advisor. Mm-hmm. So Gene Hendricks, Gene, Gene, the podcasting machine writes in little thoughts on the uh, Norse mythology aspects of these stories and, you know, it gives us some conversation fodder. It's, it's a great addition to the uh, to the um, podcast. And last issue, I read the wrong one. Whoopsie. And so I want to reread, or I want to read, rather, issue 125's commentary. Um, and we can talk about that briefly and then go on to 126's story. Okay. So the last time, which was... Um, Whenever the trolls attacked the ship and Loki had the bong and he attacked the trolls and then they took Loki away. He Mm -hmm. says the idea of negotiation being a viable alternative to fighting is in the Norse worldview. It's just not in Thor's. Mm. In the lore, Thor is usually the one that they want to keep away from negotiations because he has a violent temper and will totally kill an enemy as soon as look at them. But this is the Marvel Thor, and he is displaying the comics code ideals. And unfortunately, there's really not much else in this story. He's more of a hero hero. Yeah. And I get that. Thor Thor in the comics is more like, I am the nobleman. Yeah. I will talk. I will fight if I must. And I really would like to fight. Yes. But if we can resolve things peacefully, then that's just the way it's going to have to be. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised that Gene did not talk about the Kirby Trollbongs, but you know. Eh. We got it covered. We got it covered. So the summons mm-hmm. is uh, script Stan Lee, art Jack Kirby, inking V. Coletta, lettering Artie Simic, all the exact same credits as the first three quarters of the book. And um, Loki is bound and kneeling before the throne of, I believe her name is Ula, mm-hmm. queen of the flying trolls. And all the f- trolls who are not currently flying are standing around the throne and Ula and Loki. And Thor says, you know what, Ula? You have my brother there. I'd like you to set him free. And she's like, I'm not going to set him free unless, you know, you want to be my prisoner instead. And if you don't, then I'll just have to kill him. And that's just the way it'll be. Um, and Loki's like, come on, Thor. You can't refuse. You, you have to sacrifice yourself. Save me. Save the people. And Thor's like, shut up, Loki. And so... A senses-shattering burst of anti-energy fills the air and instantly Mm -hmm. fells the legion of flying trolls. Um, No one knows where this came from, not even Thor. He grabs Loki, though, and takes advantage of the confusion and flies out of the hive, goes back to the ship where Volstag is boasting about being the best warrior of the whole ship. And they're like, no, you are dumb. And he's like, no, I'm going to beat you up. For saying I'm dumb, but I'm going to do it later. Uh, Thor and Loki land, and Odin's like, Thor, your mission is over. The danger is at home. Return to Asgard. And next issue is the meaning of Ragnarok. So, like, this was a huge waste of time, kind of. The whole voyage? The whole voyage. Because it's like, they never get to where they're going, and then they turn around. 
to go home where they started. Yeah. Um, yeah. Filler. I mean, it does feel a little filler. I feel like they wanted to do a different adventure, like, you know, have the sea based mm-hmm. adventure and Argonauts. They use the word Argonauts so much that I feel like Stan, like, or Jack, one of them got inspiration from the movie. That movie, yeah. That was a pretty popular movie, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, I don't even know when it came out. Um, watch it be like 1965. Um, Jason and the Argonauts? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Argonauts. It came out in 1963. Okay, so not too far in the past. Recent mm-hmm. enough, they could have been like, yeah, I want to I use that in this. Yeah. Um, but I've also seen before, you know, you send out the people to stop the trouble, and the trouble bypasses your efforts and comes and attacks you to home instead. So I can, I can see it being believable. It's just, it's a little bit yeah. weird. And then the other thing that kind of disappoints me that I didn't realize until you made a summary is that Thor wasn't the one who saved them. It's obviously Odin, I guess, huh? Which I think I missed when we did this recording the first time. Yeah, there must so have been Odin like stepping in there. Less cool. Because I thought it was Thor that did the big wit sound effect. Right. He did not reason. wit. Thor he has did not no wit. He is a nitwit. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, wow. It's like there's no like heroism there either, I guess. He just gets rescued. But okay. I like What's-Her-Face. I like her outfit. Ula. I mean, I don't know much about her, so it's hard to say I like her because she has no character other than please stay around and and be my husband or whatever. But I like her outfit. It's neat. She does basically go away. I think she has one more appearance way, 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 way down the road during like Acts of Vengeance. Mm -hmm. Um, She shows up again. But she's basically, you know, a one-off baddie. Um, She has a really cool hat and really big hair. Yes. And she is green and red, which is a cool combination. Mm. Um, minor linguistic note before we go to Gene's pod comments on this. Also, Volstag is funny because he's yes. going to be Volstag in this. He has he has shined every every appearance in this backstory so far. He likes to boast. If you've never seen Volstag, he likes to boast about being the best warrior ever. But during the actual fighting he is either really bad at it or finds reasons not to be in the direct conflict. So, and like everyone knows this about it. Like everyone totally accepts him for it, but also Mm -hmm. ribs him about it. Yeah. Especially Thor, which I actually like because Thor isn't much of a ribber. Mm -hmm. But in the case of him, he is, which I think is interesting. So when they land, Balder says, odds blood bellowing one and truth. Thou might've talked them to death talking to Volstagg. And okay, mm-hmm. so the linguistic person in me is like, wait a second, that's a little weird. Um, for those who don't know, Odd's blood is a swear, it's a profanity. It's a shortened form of God's blood, which is a specific reference to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, a Christian concept. But this is Norse pagan, um, you know, lore here. So it's a little bit, a little bit of a mix. Someone's crossing the streams here. And, and Egon always said that was bad, which is really the last thing I had to say about the story. Yeah, pretty much me too. Um, but Gene has some things to say, and we've already okay. read these once, but I'm going to go and read them again because now we have proper context. Uh, he says, looks like Ula has her sights on Thor, like Carnilla of the same hairstyle has her sights on Balder. Ooh. Ooh. So I guess people with big hats and hair really like the Asgardians. Well... Everybody has a type. <laughs> this is one of the consequences of making Thor single to get the love triangle going with Jane, because Sif is actually Thor's wife to the point where the name Sif actually just means wife. Shh. 
So she has a lot of written about her, I guess, huh? Yeah, I imagine. But this story with Thor and the lore as married, it just wouldn't be possible. Mm-hmm. The end of the chapter makes the whole journey pointless, though. Like you said, Mike, the danger came to Asgard. So having all of these warriors away from the realm puts them in a bad place. Yeah. It might have been a more interesting story if they were all off doing something else anyway. And then danger happened and we could see the danger happening. And then they had to come back. Or yeah, something like that. Because that was like, like you open, oh, Thor is off on a quest with the Warriors 3 to, you know, mm-hmm. you know, fend off Ula, queen of the flying trolls. But, oh, no, look what's happening to Asgard. Right. Or even whatever is happening, because I don't know, because I haven't read ahead, but whatever cracked this sword or whatever, they, like, manipulated the situation to have Thor and all his people leave so he could oh. take an attack. Something like that maybe would be cool. But everything's from the POV of these guys, and they're just kind of going around in a circle on a boat, sort of, and blowing right. that horn a lot. Man, Balder really enjoyed that. Yes. Good times. That was his favorite day. All right. Well, speaking of favorite days, it's Namor time. Speaking of horns, because I think he has one, but not in this issue, so bad segue. Tales to Astonish, number 78, not called the Submariner yet, but it has Submariner and the Hulk. Who gets this number? Anybody? Um, speaking of numbers? Yeah, Hulk gets 102. Hulk gets 102 and Submariner gets number one Mm -hmm. or something. All right. The prince and the puppet, far out at sea, a scientific expedition probing the ocean's depths, has unwittingly caused extensive damage to Namor's underwater realm. Thus, the mighty Submariner angrily swims to the surface and confronts Henry Pym, the expedition leader, ordering him to cease operation. But Henry Pym is stubborn. I mean, sorry. Henry Pym has never backed down. To anyone before, a.k.a. stubborn, while Namor has never taken no for an answer. So they're both stubborn. Blue Ribbon Story by Stan Lee. Prize-winning penciling by Adam Austin. Adam Award, Academy Award inking by Vince Coletta. And Booby Prize lettering by Artie Simek. So it starts out in a standoff. Uh, Hank Pym and Jan are in their civvies. The soldiers on the expedition all have their guns pointed at Prince Namor. And he doesn't care because it's just guns. Uh, Hank's like, no, don't shoot him. And he pushes the soldier's rifle into the air and it hits an oxygen tank. And nobody saw that Mythbusters episode that proves this wrong, but that creates like a big explosion, which causes a fire. And that's Namor's one kryptonite weakness. So Wait, he's is that, staggered. If you shoot an oxygen tank, it does not blow up? As far as I remember that episode, it was all baloney. So Whoa. all those all those times James Bond did that to get out of something, it doesn't work. It just okay. puts a hole in the tank. But anyway, very lackluster, huh? Also, when you knock out a window in an airplane, the entire world does not get sucked through it like a toilet bowl. But that's another Mythbusters. So they're trying to put the fire out. Namor is freaking out because it's fire. And for the first time ever, apparently this is like his one weakness. Meanwhile, we cut to the puppet master who still looks like uh, Uncle Fester from that last time we saw him, and he's like, hey, I hear over the radio they're talking about Namor attacking this thing. Namor is back. Yay, Namor's my favorite puppet, just like that one time I used him against the Fantastic Four. Or the Fantastic Four saved him and he never knew it, or whatever the plot of that episode was. Um, So he creates a Namor uh, radioactive puppet like he does, and he takes him over, and just when, you know, Namor's about to beat up Hank, he turns into, like, this weird jilted robot thing and, like, stilted robot thing and walks away. And Hank's like, wow, that was weird. He's, like, kind of a robot thing. What's going on? Um, so he and Jan, as the fire's being put out by the soldiers, he and Jan sort of canoodle off in the corner. 
and talk about what they should do. And they're like, we really ought to warn like the Avengers that Submariner appears to be going towards the mainland based on this radar. So, uh, yeah, we should do that because he's a bad guy as far as we're concerned. We don't know that he has his own series now, even though we're in it. So Jan's like, well, I'll do it because you're just giant man and you can't just like giant your way across the ocean. But I can fly. And if I get tired, I can go full-size human and like lay on my back and rest, put a pin in that for a later story. So she turns into Ant-Man. Ant-Man. <laughs> Ant she turns into Wasp and flies off. Cut to uh, Uncle Fester's Adam's family home. Wow, it really looks like that, actually. It does and, a bit, yeah. And, and Namor's there being ordered, and he's like, I need money. I need capital. That's the first step in my dastardly plans of world domination. So go to the bank and do that. So he goes to the bank at night. He sneaks past a guard and, you know, judo chops him Kirk style or James Bond style. Um, then he tries to rip open the safe, but it's too metally and strong. But he figures out if he lights a match – and puts it under the sprinklers. The sprinklers shoot him with water, and now nothing can stop him. He's super strong, and he rips the doors right off that safe, and he takes what ends up being Bonds back to the puppet master, who does not appreciate that. He's like, no, no, I wanted cash money, yo. So but go back bonds. out there. James Bonds. Bonds, James Bonds. So he goes back out there, but this time it's like in broad daylight, and he's already um, robbed the bank once. Not very secretively, so now there's an army waiting for him, and uh, that's where the issue ends. He's basically brainwashed, going towards a bank, and there's a bunch of guards with guns pointed at him. Yeah, so they redesigned the Puppet Master for his last appearance in Strange Tales. We all thought it was weird at the time, but mm -hmm. it sticks, and he looks a lot less memorable. I feel like it doesn't stick-stick, though, right? Like, eventually he goes back to his dumber ways, right? Probably, probably. Yeah. Uh, and even he even looks, there was a side note in the uh, Fantastic Four annual where he had his classic look again for no reason. I like the classic look because the classic look, he looks like a creepy puppet. and He's the mm -hmm. puppet master. So it makes sense. This is just like a weird portly fellow. Uh, Gene Colan, Gene Colan, and by that I mean uh, 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 Adam Austin makes him look a little cooler, but not really. Right. Uh, and it's the puppet master who I don't think we love anyway, but. He's so bizarre. And he doesn't really make sense. It's inconsistent how he's handled. Like he, okay. First of all, he says, what was it? Page four. Um, that now I found a cat's paw to do my handiwork for me. A man mm -hmm. powerful enough to accomplish what I alone could never do. And I'm like, yeah. okay, puppet master. When have you ever gone after something for yourself? You <laughs> always use someone else to do your dirty work because that's yes. your thing because you're the puppet master. Yeah. You alone can't do anything, really. But right. Also, why does he have to wait for Namor? Like, he couldn't have taken over the thing 20 times by now? Or Hulk, Thor, someone strong, whatever he's looking for? Anyone in the bank who has access to the vault? Yeah. So that's the thing. What stops him from just doing that all the time? Yeah. Yes. And it's kind of bummer. You know, the the whole puppet thing, like he makes this puppet, but then it has actual control. Like in the past we've seen him like actually he made like a whole diorama of the the jail <laughs> and had, had all the little different prisoners. I'm running sorry, it's not to scale. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sorry, it's not <up> to scale. <laughs> but he takes this Namor, he just makes like a little hardly mm -hmm. posable at all mm -hmm. you know, bowling pin basically shaped model of Namor. <laughs> And waves yeah. around in the air and says, Namor this, Namor that, and Namor has yeah. to do it. Yeah, we don't really get how his powers work, I guess, still. Yeah. Um, 
Jan and Hank. Speaking of Namor, uh-huh. he's fighting Jan and Hank in this, and they are back in the stories. They're back in the stories. I'm not loving the Hank, but I haven't loved the Hank for some time, so that's kind of consistent, I guess. He seems a little, like, dogged with his desire to not care about hurting other people in his science experiment. Right. Now, we said last issue that technically, from his point of view, maybe he doesn't know that at any point Submariner has redeemed himself in any way. Like, last time he saw Submariner was, what, Avengers 3, maybe? Oh, yeah, maybe. So, like, uh, that was just straight-up evil Namor, and he has since, like, seen some errors of his ways, but that's mostly from his point of view under the ocean with his own adventures, so. Right, doing his own thing. The last time we saw him in above the uh, surface was trying to sue humanity for blowing up his town? Yeah, and before that, he encountered the X-Men. He hasn't encountered the Avengers in some time. Right. So, I'm wondering, it could might have been cooler if there was a line or two, like, I know you're a villain and a stinking liar or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. just to justify Hank's decision to like not stop and listen about hurting people. But And Hank is being very Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart about this. He's like, I don't care about your, you know, needs. We're gonna do this mission and we're gonna do it right. And um Submariner is literally saying, You are killing my people, and Hank is literally mm-hmm. saying, I do not care. Right. So that's the problem. Um I also think it's funny that he he does try and like save him, I guess, from this rifle, but does he not know that Namor is pretty much bulletproof and that wouldn't matter? But well, Submariner so does say he has a fear of fire, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, makes sense because people mm-hmm. are scared of fire, but it almost feels like they're trying to give him like a special weakness because they mentioned it twice in this story that fire is bad for him. I mean, fire yeah, is bad f- for all of us. But. The fire started because Hank pushed the rifle out of the way, so the guy oh, missed. Oh, that's right. But he didn't want him to shoot submariner and it's like why it's just gonna bounce right off like who cares maybe, maybe he just didn't want to start a start a fight or, or maybe he didn't trust it to bounce off yeah maybe that's kind of nice of him yeah seeing it bounce off and thinking oh that's cool is different than being like oh yeah he can take it because he's got I mean, he does have skin yeah. Yeah. um so namor left his people to go investigate this destruction he found the drill and now he's being puppet mastered off to new york uh-huh so like, he hasn't got to spend a whole lot of time at home. He, yeah, because he was on a quest the whole time. Right. First, the first Because he had to reclaim his arc. throne from, from Natatuma, the other guy. Krang, Warlord but Krang. Krang, yeah. I have to say I am more excited when he's on the surface because he's more interesting that way. I'm not sure mm-hmm. I care so much about Atlantis all that much. But right. it's better when he's a fish out of water or an Atlantean out of water. And they may find ways to make Atlantis more interesting. But yeah, uh, Namor on the surface having to do a little bit of hiding out because, you know, he's on the run from the police a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, those kinds of things are pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, skulking around being Namor. Yeah. Um, Jan gets to be the hero. I thought that was also cool. Yes. Like, not only does he not do anything, but she does. She makes a decision to do it. It's not even his decision. She's just going to do it. And... She apparently can change size now without him having to do it for her or take a pill, which is right. good. Which was never clearly said before their series ended. It was implied because they kind of stopped mm-hmm. referring to it. But here mm-hmm. she is just like all on her own, changing size, and a lot more quickly than he expected. Yeah. And this 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 uh, continues into a whole different issue, which we'll get to someday. But Which is interesting because like cross-title continuity is not something that Marvel has done this much before. Uh, I think this is the first time we've read this kind of crossover, yeah. Because this isn't like Namor going with her 
So the main character in this is going to continue his adventure, but some subplot crosses over into a different book, mm-hmm. which I don't think we've seen yet. I was I, a little, yeah. was a little bit confused by her clothes because, <laughs> like, yeah, she has a dress. It's mm-hmm. a pretty cool looking dress too. It's got straps. It's just a little bit low cut in the front, um, but whatever she changes, it's a bathing suit that has like a collar, a neck hugging collar to it. Uh-huh. So, like, if she were wearing this bathing suit under her clothes, it would have shown through. I wish – I don't know if it's in this issue or the other one that I've read where she calls it a bathing suit. But she does call it a bathing suit, right? Yes. Because it could just be a superhero leotard thing and it's unstable molecules. It doesn't have to be a bathing suit. It could be that her bathing her, – her superhero thing is a bathing suit made of unstable molecules that she has modified. Because it's not a very – fancy outfit but it is like a full it's not like a bikini either you know like it no. could be it could be an attack outfit if this is what she wants to wear but yeah, i think a, she does say bathing suit somewhere I don't there's nothing where. like stylized or memorable about the design but certainly women have gone out in superhero comics wearing exactly this cut thing just with designs on yeah. it yeah so i just think that at some point in the future don't unstable molecules like transform your outfit for you when you activate your oh, powers oh i see what you're saying yeah yeah so you're saying that her dress was unstable molecules and it turns into the bathing suit uh-huh. street. Oh, right. like uh, I can't think of another example, but doesn't like Invisible Girl or Human Torch like magically transform to Fantastic Four outfits when their powers turn on or something? something Maybe I'm making like that. that up. I don't know. I just don't feel like they ever have to strip. True. I know it works for Supergirl in the 1984 movie. Yeah. She just changed her clothes. Superman in in the original too. He just falls out a window and magically transforms to Superman. Right now, I know it's only been ten comic book months since their last Avengers appearance, Mm -hmm. but I feel like they're pulling a little bit of a soap opera move, Mm -hmm. and they're using this time gap to age Jan up a little bit. Yeah, could very well be that, or it could be Jean Colon deciding she's older or drawing her older. Yeah. But yeah, she doesn't seem like she's, you know, early or late teens, early 20s or whatever she was supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, she was she was always late teens, but she was just acting a little bit more juvenile. And here she's acting a little bit more like uh-huh. an adult who's just a little bit younger than Hank. Yeah, well, she certainly seems to have more control over what she wants and doesn't look up to him for orders anymore, at least right. not in this scene. Yeah. In fact, you were saying earlier that's her, her idea to go. She's like excited about the idea lucky yeah. no one saw me change to the wasp i don't know how hank will explain my absence i'm sure i'll think of something i'd best head for the avengers blah 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 here we go it i never thought it could feel so good to be aloft again i must have been mad to give to beg hank to give up this life yeah and he's like wait what if there's dangerous what if something happens to you and she's like don't worry about it i've trained yeah, I'm a super. I got hero. this. Dude. I got this. I'm fine. I can I can swim across the ocean to Avengers Mansion or wherever they are. Here, hit me. I can take it. Yeah. Um. Sorry. That was yeah. that. That's just a reference. That's to the a future. future issue. Spoilers. You know what I just realized as I'm nearing the end of this comic. Mm. Puppet Master has a puppet on his shirt. He Good has Lord. made a costume symbol for himself. It's a really bad one. It is not a good symbol, but it is a, it's like a marionette sitting there with his legs sprawled like his strings are cut. Uh huh. And it and, looks like. And I don't think it's going to be trademarked, so stay tuned for that Make Ours Marvel t shirt <laughs> that we are going to put out. It looks like a forked banana. <laughs> it does. 
Oh, I actually really do want to make this T-shirt and see if anybody would buy it. That's funny. Uh, yeah. We should we try should. it. But yeah, I'm kind of excited for this direction. He's on the surface. He's going to attack the army and be a bad guy and rob banks. So we'll see what happens. We will see. Better than searching Neptune's trident thingy. Uh, and fighting sea, uh, hair creature seaweed beasts. Okay, so speaking of... Hairy creatures. Hairy creatures who are just a constant disappointment. The Hulk must <laughs> die. Someone like wrote in, I don't know if we've read it yet, but I think we did, where they're, like, they were upset that I'm always dogging on the Hulk, and now I feel like doubling down on that for some reason. All right. Last-ish. Thinking the Hulk is dead, Rick Jones finally revealed his greatest secret, the fact that Dr. Bruce Banner and the Incredible Hulk are actually one and the same. But as the teenager leaves the Hulk's lonely cave with a shocked Major Glenn Talbot, neither of them realizes that the Green Titan is slowly returning from the far distant future in which he had been trapped. Another truly inspired talent lineup by Mighty Marvel's masterful casting director, story by Stan Lee, certainly layouts by Jack Kirby, naturally artwork by Bill Everett, surprisingly lettering by Sam Rosen, inevitably. Um, yeah, he comes back. And then they make this like whole conversation about how he's supposed to have Bruce Banner's brain, but he really pretty much has the Hulk's brain again. Uh, what's he going to do as he's lumbering around coming out of the cave? The army spots him with the binoculars. So they run over and they tell Glenn and he's like, oh, really? He's still alive? Yay. Meanwhile, they're also consulting this new guy whose name is Dr. or something. Zaxon. Zaxon. They've hired him to capture the Hulk, basically. Um, And how he's going to do that is weird science that I can't quite explain, but it's like a grid of holes in the ground and the Hulk is supposed to fall in one of those and then there's gas maybe and there's like an energy shield that goes over top so he can't jump back out again. And that's what happens. The Hulk in his delirious kind of stupid state decides to just go home and home to him is the army base because that's where he was born, quote unquote. And he falls into the hole because they shoot him and he zap him and he falls in and then he's stuck and he can't get out. Um, meanwhile, we cut to Rick telling Betty that that banner is Hulk also because he's still under the impression that the Hulk is gone. But just as he's done telling her that and she's crying in a corner, Glenn Talbot opens the door and says, the Hulk's back. And Rick's like, oh, that was a bad decision. Anyway, so the Hulk can't get out. He keeps trying to jump up and he hits this energy barrier. Um, but we cut to or, you know, Rick and Betty are like going, hey, you should like let him out and be nice. And and Betty's crying on Talbot's shoulder for some unknown reason um but we cut to this guy this new scientist guy who created this thing and he starts monologuing to himself and he's got more nefarious purposes than even the army realizes he wants to tap the hulk's power and use it to take over the world he's going to control weather with it and derail trains with it and create giant smoke monsters with it and then someday he's going to have his very own scepter and a crown and a cape a furry cape uh so he's really excited about that they are the best. That means regal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he dons what looks like an old gold Iron Man armor, and he has a big, big gun, and he goes over to the hole where the Hulk is, and he says, the minute the Hulk pokes his head out, I'm going to shoot him with this gun and steal all his energy. And the Hulk Hulk pokes his head out, and there's a big zap noise, and it's to be continued. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, okay. Yeah. Hulk? <laughs> We're all like, I, mean, I don't know what to say. 
So yeah. Hulk went to the future, and uh-huh. now he's back. Which, by the uh-huh. way, that was a weird transition. Remember at the end of last issue, it was just like, oh, no, there's this weird tornado showing up in the cave. What could that be? And we're like, mm-hmm. that's probably the Hulk, isn't it? And sure enough, yeah. here it is, the Hulk with all of his chest hair. So basically, they probably won't explain it, but basically we can infer that the time travel missile thing only lasts so long or something, and you automatically get set back. I agree with all of that. They probably won't explain it, but that certainly makes sense. <laughs> and and why why did he show up in the cave instead of where he started or where he stopped? I don't know. Just because? Well, you're, you're not thinking fourth dimensionally. You see, he moved. Yo, you're right. That cave is where he probably was standing. Right. Uh, in the, in the future, future, future or something. Yeah. Right. Um. It is also interesting that they continue to acknowledge that. Remember how he had Banner's mind <sighs> yeah, during yeah, this transformation, yeah. but like it, it doesn't have it anymore. He has definitely gone no. back to full-on bestial mode, Hulk. But they keep saying it. Yeah, and it's like that idea went nowhere. Also, just much like the time travel, like at no point did he suffer the consequences or enjoy the consequences of having a Banner brain, like. I feel really? like it, it, it played into the plot a little bit whenever he was facing the leader. Because, like, the fact that right. he knew science was like, oh, the leader's oh, like, yeah. oh, you know science? Yeah, that's true. But but you're right. It doesn't really go anywhere for very long. And since the leader is dead and has been dead, and the Hulk hasn't had an intelligent thought for several issues now, continuing to mention that he could do that five days ago is weird. <laughs> you know what it is? It's like, Banner means nothing. So far, mm-hmm. he's just a thing that the Hulk has to suffer. He's a weakness the Hulk has to suffer. That's a really good doesn't have his, yep. He doesn't have his own life. He doesn't have, like, you'd think it'd be the other way around. You'd think the Hulk would be something that Banner has to suffer. And we would see how the Hulk ruins his life. But first, Certainly he has to have a life. the first couple of issues played it that way. Like, way yeah, back in did. the miniseries. Yeah. Not miniseries, and, but the series that ended. And then they started throwing all these ideas into the fan. And then by the end of that miniseries, like, he walked away with a life with Betty in his arms. Mm-hmm. And at no point do we ever see how that got ruined. It must have got ruined. Uh, at no point do we ever see how he lives his life. Every once in a while, there'll be a panel where he's back working again. But there's no, like, where have you been? Or And it's been a while even since we had that. Yeah. It's just weird because normally when I think of the, th- uh, the Hulk, I think of, like, you know, Banner constantly trying to hide and not get angry. And, you know, hurt people. And we don't really get that yet in this book. Um, that's definitely the TV show. Of course, in the TV show, he only turns yes. into Hulk for like five minutes an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you don't really – and I think you mentioned this before. You don't really get to know Bruce Banner as a person in this. Bruce Banner is not a person on his own in this story. No. Um, they bring in Dr. Zaxxon, in fact, and say that he's a replacement for Banner. And whenever uh-huh. that happened, I was like, what do you think is the over-under on this guy being a secret bad guy? But by the end of this <laughs> chapter, we found out, sure enough, he's a secret bad guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, he has a pipe. True, but so did Reed Richards. But you know what? Reed Richards is not a nice guy, so it's t- it works. He's, he's horrible, too. Sorry, Kurt Busiek. You're not right. <laughs> um, I didn't really like the trap. I think it's kind of weird. Don't get it exactly. What's going Why on Why are there? they turning the ground into waffles? <laughs> That's exactly what it looks like. Why are they, like, first of all, that's not easy to do, to make ground stand up like that in vertical lines with holes in it, like waffles. That's not easy to do. Also, when the Hulk lands, how does he Uh land directly into the waffle square like a piece of butter instead of, like, knocking over the dirt? And why not just 
create one giant pit that you're going to put a force field over, you know? Why does it have to be yeah. waffles? I don't get Why that. does it have to be wa- Yeah. It's like, <laughs> we're, I mean, obviously the ground is up there to make all the little energy shield ceilings mm. and put them in a confined area, but that doesn't actually, actually make any sense anyway, so... So, oh. so stay tuned for our next T-shirt. Why does it have to be waffles? Yeah, Hulkin and waffles for breakfast. That's what we're having. Um, <laughs> um, it's worth Bill Everett. N- oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, it's worth noting that uh, Hulk's leaping ability is being described in very much the same terms as Superman's was in the like really early forties mm. before it was officially called flying. And basically the way it worked for Superman then and the way it works for Hulk now is he leaps and then he can do whatever he wants to in the air, change directions, stop, slow down, speed up, whatever, Mm -hmm. until the caption says that he's beginning to descend. Once he starts going down, that's it. He has to go down before he can leap. Right, right. And then eventually they Uh, just call that flying and stops talking about him having to land. With Superman. Speaking of and speaking of jumping, I think in the handbook, one of his powers that I remember they always listed, kind of an oddball power, was that he could find his way home from anywhere. That um, is a bizarre by, aspect of the Hulk. Yeah, but like when they say home, they mean they don't mean like the home that Bruce Banner grew up in. They mean the home that birthed the Hulk, basically the missile location, the base. Mm-hmm. And this this story has a caption that talks about how he has a deep-rooted instinct buried in the recesses of his clouded brain that lead him towards the missile base. So this is like the first inkling of that oddball power that I think they list in the handbook. An instinct in his brain that leads into the missile base. That's weird. Yeah. But that means like he, can, he remembers where he was born. So like like that one time that he leapt home from Japan mm-hmm. or Taiwan. He just or knew how to go. He just knew he where knew to the go. Direction. Yeah. It's like, like, you know, birds or fish or whatever. They can do that mm-hmm. sometimes, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, Bill Everett. I think when I read this, I didn't realize it said Bill Everett because I don't read credits while I'm reading for some reason. Only when I do the show. But wow, yeah, Bill he, Everett. He, his, his, his credits are a little sporadic during this era. Um, I think it's because he had personal problems getting in the way of doing his job. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I, I like to think that Stan would give him cre- would give him work whenever he could. Yeah, and it's cool. Like I don't know if it's a great style for the Hulk, but it's kind of like a cool like indie style or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to extra- explain it. It's not really flashy, but I don't there's know. this one it's really great neat. shot on page six though, and Bill Everett composed it really neat. Um, mm. Hulk's in the in the waffle hole, and <laughs> all of the army. <laughs> yeah, all of the army are arrayed on the waffle ridges uh. around him, and uh. it's like. They're all in the background talking about him being trapped and helpless, but he's in the foreground back to the camera with like a rippling mound of muscles and power. And Mm -hmm. it's just like, I don't think he's nearly as helpless as y'all think he is. Right. Yeah. That's a pretty good shot. And, Uh, um, I was, when when we first recorded this, I had not yet read ahead. I wrote down, I wonder if Saxon is a nobody or if he's building up to be a somebody. I don't remember. Now I've looked ahead. I know exactly what the answer to that question is. He's Zax. I don't, I don't think he's Zax. <laughs> he really true. should be, dang it. <laughs> In the history of Marvel's civilian given surnames matching up with their superpowers later. <laughs> Zax. Yeah. Um, but yeah, next issue box teases an upcoming fight with Hercules. Which oh. I have not expected, but is definitely right. coming soon. 
And that sounds fun. Because, you know, if you're in New York and you have to get to California Hollywood, you know what you have to go through? You have to go through waffles. You have to go through waffles. Yes. (laughs) The waffles of the Southwest. I bet you there's a city called Waffles. Um, I'm only thinking of the pig on Gravity Falls. Oh, yes. Do you know Gravity Falls? I believe so, yeah. Is that the Gary Frank thing? No, no, no. Gravity Falls is a Oh, no, that's Liberty Meadows. Okay. I don't know. Wow, those names have very similar energy, but they're not at all the same. (laughs) No, they're not. (laughs) But I can totally see why you got confused. (laughs) Gravity Falls. Liberty Meadows. (laughs) Uh, okay, is Fury up next? Fury! Sergeant Fury, he's our hero. Can tear those Nazis down to zero. Not a man shall remain alive. Oh, no. Not even Baron Strucker. Uh, featuring the return of Baron Strucker, torn from the annals of World War II. Make sure you are careful how you pronounce that word. Um, a pulse, <laughs> <laughs> pulse-pounding indictment of man's inhumanity to man, and the eternal hope for redemption that lies deep within us all. Octung, story by Stan Lee, art by Dick Ayers, inking by John Tartaglioni, lettering by Sam Rosen, Rauchen Verboten. Okay. No smoking. Oh. You think? Yeah, I know. I looked it up. Awesome. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So the Howlers are out training and being Howlers while Nick Fury is being given um, an assignment by Captain Happy Sam Sawyer. Um, there is a town of... Um, no, is this, is this, not, this is not the one where they say France, is it? This is the one where Baron Strucker does not want to kill a bunch of people. In it's France. A, it is the one where, the, yeah, they say France. Okay, Sherbo. Yeah, the town of Sherbo. Um, and Hitler is going to crush the town and the Howlers are, to, are going to stop it. Hitler mm-hmm. is yelling at Strucker because of all the times he has lost to the Howlers and to Nick Fury personally. And he tells Strucker that he's going to have to prove his competence by destroying the town of Cherbeau because the resistance fighters of the French underground have proven such a thorn in his side there. And uh, if the underground does not surrender, he's uh, Strucker is under orders to execute everyone in the town. Now, Strucker is many things. Strucker has done any number of atrocities, but mass murder of an entire town is over the line to him. He is a soldier, not a murderer. So he tells the uh, Fuhrer that he will definitely cause the uh, resistance to surrender. He will not have to kill the town. So they march in. There's a big parade with public onlookers being forced to cheer the parade on. Um, there's a whole situation of French people being attacked uh, and abused to help motivate the resistance to surrender, to stop the, you know, down from babies. People are uh, lined up for concentration camps. The order is that they are going to send um, people to the concentration camps each day until the resistance um, surrenders. They load old people up into train cars, all this horrible stuff. Meanwhile, the howlers have arrived in France and they are working their way through the town of Cherbourg. Um, they attack a Nazi dinner. They free some French prisoners who turn out to be resistance fighters. So they all team up. They go and attack a boat 
put the boat down. Um, and Strucker hears that there's a lot of extra fighting, more than he was expecting. He's like, no, this sounds like it might be Howlers. It really better not be Howlers. I, I don't think I can take it. My blood pressure is all kinds of crazy these days. The doctor says I really need to stop being a Nazi, but it's so much fun. Anyways, um, let's see what else happens. The Howlers are just doing lots of stuff to save lots of people. But there's one place where they save this guy from drowning, except the art makes it look like he didn't actually get saved from drowning, that he actually died, but, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> there is a train full of people being taken to the concentration camp. The Howlers uh, help to waylay the train and set the prisoners free. Hitler comes to Strucker and yells at him some more. Strucker realizes that Hitler is actually really super-duper crazy nutsaballs. And... Um, he even calls him a swine in his inner monologue. There's one particular Frenchman who tries to curry favor by telling the Nazi leaders in the town that the Howlers are here and where to find them. And Strucker appreciates the information and has the man killed for being a traitor. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about that time that Nick Fury and the Howlers finally fight their way into Strucker's compound. How Fury and Strucker are face to face, and it comes to a, a cliffhanger ending to be concluded next issue. Don't dare miss the block busting outcome of Fury's most desperate gamble. Remember, that's an order. Have we had it to be continued in this series? I believe once before. Okay. I can't remember exactly when it was, but I feel like we've had one other to be continued. Pretty rare. It is definitely rare. So um, if if you had asked me before I read this story, I would have told you that I think Baron Strucker is definitely the kind of guy who would mass murder people for no reason. He does seem like that kind of guy, right? I would I thought so, but then I start thinking like I can't really think of a lot of Baron Strucker stories. I just know who he is, so maybe I'm just wrong about the guy and he's not like that. But and there aren't a lot of Baron Strucker stories. Like he's in some stuff in the World War II. Mm-hmm. During the Silver Age. And yep. he's in some stuff in the modern day during the Silver Age. And then he takes a big old break from comics until like 1990. Oh, wow. So it's yeah. a bit of a gap. Yeah. I think like he's the guy who runs Hydra all the time. But like when I was growing up, that was Viper, not Hy- not Strucker. So he was just Same the guy who I, used, used to run Hydra. Right. I think the only modern day Strucker story I've read is was like a big reveal that he was in charge of Hydra for at least a story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was one of those, you know, the early nineties, they would do like three or four part annual crossovers. Oh uh, yeah. Bring together like disparate heroes. Spider-Man always got like the four Spider-Man books, but like Captain right. America, Punisher, Daredevil would have a trio, that sort of thing. Uh huh. Yeah. I um, do seem to recall something like that, but yeah, I guess I just don't know much about him, but not to, not, not to say he's not an evil bastard, but it is maybe interesting that he's not a Red Skull level evil jerky right. guy. And Red Skulls and Hitler's insanity are both played up in their stories. Like they are yeah. insane. Yes. They're not balanced individuals. Yeah. Strucker is not a good person and no. likes to think of him as being, likes to think of himself as being even better because he's nobility. He is, after all, Baron Strucker. But he's a mass murderer of a town. Seems to be beyond what he thinks is appropriate. Right. So there's a little glint of okay in there, maybe. Maybe. In fact, they really play up Hitler's insanity in this story. Oh, yeah. But I feel like they do that every time Hitler makes an appearance. Because nobody likes Hitler at Marvel. Or anywhere. 
you would think that nobody likes Hitler anywhere would be a, a, a blanket <laughs> statement. You could say. <laughs> okay. Right now, actually, that's a horrible statement because it's completely not true. But yeah, most people yeah. don't like yeah. Hitler. Let's put it that way. Um, I love the line at the top of page five. The resistance continues without weapons, without organization, even without hope. The spirit of free Frenchmen cannot be snuffed out. Mm-hmm. And it's like every time I see references to the French resistance, my brain immediately brings up ultimate Captain America who yes. mocked the French surrender in extremely poor taste. Blah. Right. And anyone who's read enough of the ultimate Cap should realize that he is not a personality to be emulated, but we didn't know that yet whenever he shouted his now famous line, do you think this A stands for France? And well, that came, if you remember, that came out when we were doing the Freedom Fries thing. Mm-hmm. So what was it? France didn't back our play on something dumb? I can't even remember what it was now. Uh, the war, you know, attacking some country or something oh, we did. Oh, yeah. So that's where that's coming from. But I still think... I guess you could argue that Ultimate Cap read the paper that day, but he comes from this time right. when France was occupied and continued to fight anyway at great risk for themselves. So they were a very tough country during this time. So you would think that's how he would think of France, not whatever was in the headline that day. But the Ultimates was like early to mid-2000s, like 2004, 2005, mm-hmm. something like Taliban post-9-11 type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Ultimate Cap is fun, but he's. I'm glad he's not the ideal Cap. I'm really glad that in the MCU they may have taken elements from Ultimates in terms of ideas, but for the most part, all the characters are the more ideal versions that I like. And you, uh, you've mentioned before that, like in response to that storyline, Brubaker comes along and does another story. Yeah. That like where where he reminisced about. Where he commented on the Freedom Prize thing. Cap commented on the Freedom Prize thing, basically, Earth 616 Cap, and talked about how, you know, back in the day, like we're reading in this story, they were tough. And, you know, anybody who would call them cowards or whatever is just crazy. Mm-hmm. So either, either that was probably either a slam at our culture in general at the time or also a slam directly at the Ultimates, you know, that splash page. The Nazis invaded France. The French government had two choices. Immediately go to war and, like, like, lose a lot of lives or mm-hmm. go into underground and like capitulate, but fight back. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, let's see. I don't really have anything else. No, Everyth- that was the big takeaway for me is like Baron Strucker's somewhat humanity take on things, but not really. Cause he's still a Nazi and a bastard, but yeah, I would say less humanity and more just complexity. Yes. There are different word. there are different sides and small shreds of what he would think of as honor. Uh-huh. Hiding behind indecent actions that he calls soldiering. Right, right, right. Yeah. I was just following orders is always a convenient reason. Mm-hmm. I'm a soldier, so it's okay. Um, but yeah, that's all I really got out of it too. It was cool. I'm kind of interested that it's to be continued and it set it up for a big square off between the two, so that could be fun. It's definitely a, a good you know, one of the better issues of the series that we've read. Uh-huh. But just even when, even whenever the Sergeant Fury is like knocking out of the park, I just always have things to say about it. Yeah, because it's kind of still the same formula for the most part. All right. Um, so should we do Tales of Suspense then? We better because I'm feeling in suspense. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Tales of Suspense. 
Suspense, number 76. Can you guys believe this is our second time doing this? Okay, Tales of Suspense, number 76. The Gladiator, the Girl, and the Glory, with one of my favorite Tales of Suspense covers of all time. Uh, but first, we have to talk about Iron Man, who is not on the cover, because the cover is mm-hmm. Batrock, Batrock hitting Captain America's shield with his double feet. Wow. You know what's funny is, we didn't we just have a cover? Yeah, Thor versus Hercules. And in the background was that very same expression on Agent Carter's face right there going, no, I was no. seeing the exact same thing that like, Agent Carter here and Jane Foster on that cover uh-huh. are the same picture. <laughs> Do you think those guys in the fedora are the same guys too? Like they just went from one street to the next? Fight, fight. And another fight over here. You know what? That's exactly what happened. That is exactly <laughs> what that Tuesday in New York was like. I'm here for it. Uh, all right. But on to Iron Man, who is not outside. It's called Here Lies Hidden, the unspeakable Ultimo, featuring the fantastic reappearance of the Mandarin. Boy, spoilers, why don't you? Um, a the mighty Marvel mem- a spoiler. That's true. A mighty Marvel memory test. How much of this can you remember from last-ish? Happy Hogan has accidentally turned into a destructive, unthinking monster. In a desperate effort to save his friend, Iron Man lures him to his enervation intensifier machine. But after applying maximum intensity, a savage power feedback threatens to destroy our hero. Yet Iron Man continues the pressure, knowing full well it may cost him his own life. And if you've ever read a duller synopsis than this one, it was probably also written by long-winded Stan Lee. Tenderly written by Stan Lee. Longingly penciled. Lovingly penciled by Adam Austin. Gently delineated by Gary Michaels. And finally lettered by Sam Rosen. So, yeah, he's running a machine that seems to be killing himself faster than it's fixing Happy. But then by page two, it kicks in and Happy's fixed. And he's back to being happy again. He doesn't look like the weirdo Frankenstein freak. Um, Iron Man's armor is so hot, though, from taking all that feedback that he has to immediately rip it off his body, put it in a suitcase, dress himself back up as Tony Stark, and then snap his slap his friend around and say, hey, buddy, wake up, wake up. What do you remember? What's going on? Now, remember, Happy Hogan's supposed to technically remember that he discovered Iron Man's secret, but he wakes up and says, I have amnesia. Who are you? Um, just before they can really get into it, though, uh, Senator Byrd is there with his police backup. The door had been locked the whole time. The police busted open. Senator Byrd says, I have a a summon, a subpoena for you. You have to appear in the Senate and reveal Iron Man's identity so that we can then use him as a slave because this is the United States. And Tony's like, okay, I guess I'll go happy you stay here with Pepper. This is Pepper. You like Pepper. Oh, okay, Pepper. So they watch him drive away in a police car. Um, and Pepper thinks about how she loves Iron Man and hates Tony Stark. They're driving away. There's a big one, two, three, and suddenly a blinding, flashing light. Um, Senator Bird finds himself in the car alone. We cut to... The Mandarin, once again being told by the Chinese government, I think, to, you know, work for them. And he says, fool, I am the Mandarin. I work for no one. And explodes them, which he seems to have to do like every week or something. Um, Tony Stark was sucked from the car in the light and taken to his castle. The Mandarin says, I could not find Iron Man. So I snacked. I snacked. I, I, what am I trying to say? 
snagged. That's what I'm trying to say. I snagged the next best thing, Iron Man's Inventor. I have you, Tony Stark. And then he like shoots his suitcase just to be a jerk. And the suitcase falls out the window. And Tony's like, oh, no, now I can't be Iron Man. Um, and then Mandarin's like, and while you're here as my captive, let me tell you about something. I've created someone called Ultimo. And he lives. And then it cuts to like a volcano and the silhouette of a monster coming out of it. And then it cuts to the bottom of the ocean where – or the bottom of the moat where Tony's suitcase and his armor is. And it's to be continued. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Reappearance of the Mandarin. What? <sighs> Yay. Because we haven't had enough of him. <laughs> um, Why is he so disappointing? Like – I don't know. I don't know what I would want him to do that's different or better, but I'm just not well, feeling him. He's just like, it's a given that he's Iron Man's greatest foe, I guess. Like everybody knows that somehow. Mm-hmm. But I personally have never really read any Mandarin stories. So these are the first ones I'm reading and I just don't feel how, I don't really get how he gets that status yet. Yeah. You know? He's just not rocking it for me. Like, as of our current reading, my favorite foe for Iron Man would probably be um, the Titanium Man, maybe. As that was the same a thing, Titanium run. Man gave him a really gave him a big run for his money. Yeah, um, the Mandarin—he's he's like an anti-Iron Man. The Mandarin is, first of all, he's a little racist, but yes. In addition to that, although I do always appreciate that he doesn't like the Chinese government either, so he's not like that kind of like he's his own man, I guess. But mm. it seems like every every story is the same. He somehow magically beams Iron Man into his castle or Iron Man has to go into his castle. He gets caught. Iron Man flips the tide, runs away, leaves the Mandarin in his castle. That's happened every single time. Remember that one time that Mandarin was like in two panels of the Avengers just so he could give swordsman Mandarin powers? Oh, yeah. To kill Iron Man. And then he decided, eh, kill these other guys instead. Yeah, because everyone's even on the Avengers anymore. Yeah. Like, just in case he came back. Like just in case they came back to the Avengers, you'd have the yeah, power. Um, I think also his rings are ill-defined. Like, I don't know. If I was writing a villain that had magic rings that all did something different, I would probably spell it out because that would be fun for the fans, you know? Especially what in something like the do? 60s when it's like, you know, the yeah. the schematics of buildings and everything were always there's like, list out your rings. What can the yeah. rings do? Right. Define it. Cause his you science can make of, it up as you go, but then you're going to come up with more than 10 powers. His science of like beaming someone out of a police car is just like, what? Is that magic or science? You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. He's like a Doctor Doom, but lame. And unfortunately, this is our first Gene Colan Mandarin. And sadly, his his art takes things a little bit the wrong direction. Yes. With the uh, facial features. However, that said, I enjoy reading this story more than I should because of Gene Colan. Yes. Like, like if this was bad art, this story would have been a chore to right. get through. But it's right. so beautiful. It's like, I want to turn the page. It does look really good. I still really don't like, like, okay, the Mandarin stuff, we're having trouble digging it. It's not necessarily bad storytelling. It's just, you know, not necessarily turning us on. Mm -hmm. I do not like the Happy Hogan thing, like even a little bit. And it's like this weird thing in this run of stories. It makes no sense. He goes, you know, the, 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 Enervator goes on him and suddenly he changes back and grows his hair back. Mm-hmm. Cause that happens to me when I go off my meds, all my hair suddenly grows back. And it's kind of like also much to do about nothing. Like what do we get out of this story? Exactly. 
Like if they yeah, wanted like, Happy to, if they wanted him to lose his memory, couldn't he have just bonked his head when Black Knight kidnapped him? Was this and all just to make him lose his memory and forget that? Oh my! Gosh. I feel like, like that's the only now. takeaway, right? So Hulk goes into the future to give Rick an excuse to tell that Hulk is. <laughs> oh Bruce my Banner. God! You're right. I didn't even think about that. That but is. I the like. Reason, I huh? like that. Because they need a reason for Rick to reveal that secret, and Rick needs to feel safe with it. The fact that he mm-hmm. thinks that Hulk is dead is a reason. Okay. Um, the trip to the future itself wasn't really that great, but at least there was a reason behind it. If the only right. reason to turn Happy into this was to give him amnesia when he came back, uh... Yeah. Which I feel like that's what we're going to deal with now, is, is a Happy who doesn't remember anything for a while. Hmm... You know what? When you were saying earlier in the episode about Thor unmasking to Jane and you didn't expect it to stick, uh-huh. this is what you were talking about. This is exactly what I was talking about, yeah. I figured she'd have the vapors and forget or something like that. Or he could just kiss her again. He does that sometimes. He does that. Um, okay, so how about the legalities of Bird here? Like, I kind of just like, they want to take Tony to the, 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 the wherever, Washington, to reveal, force him to reveal Iron Man's identity, and that somehow allows them to what draft Iron Man into their service. Like, uh, let's see. Who cares if they know? I like that's what he's going to do with Iron Man. Testify under oath and tell us if Iron Man really is, or face the consequences. But why do they have to do that? Okay, so Iron Man is a walking armored force. Okay, and th- this the same question is being addressed at the beginning of iron man 2 right um the way tony stark gets away with it in that is that he has literally changed the world in the mcu um he has achieved world peace through private means and you know it's not a perfect peace but it's there so that does not exist in the regular world um here he's just a dude who owns a company uh and he has this like armored weaponized bodyguard and the senate's like we need to know who this is and we need to be able to like you know have some regulation on this because i mean regulating personal weapons is is a good thing but i think that this is sort of a like a fifth or sixth measure because they've tried Uh to do things nicely and they've tried to do things peacefully and he even mentions i tried to serve a subpoena and one of his goons attacked me yeah i'll be i'll be interested like i actually think that story is more interesting than being taken out of the car and sent to the Mandarin. Like I would rather see what happens with this whole subpoena thing. Yeah. Yeah. This is, and this is what I remember about Senator Byrd, you know, back when he was making his first appearances, like, Hey, this is a guy we should watch for. This is the sort of thing I remember. It's like, he comes after Tony Stark and Iron Man hard. I don't mm-hmm. really remember exactly how it plays out. I really hope they don't just ignore it because they're really building it up. And then just to have it stolen away like this is like, ugh, come on. No, I think they're going to do something with it. I just don't know where what it is. It doesn't go... I mean, okay. it resolves somehow. It doesn't just, like, disappear and go away. Um, um, Ultimo. Not exciting, right? It's... What is it? it we don't it's know like yet. A, yeah, but it's like a thing he says at the last panel, and it's a little tiny panel, and it's a dude coming out of what looks like a volcano. But why? what does that have to do with the Mandarin? How did he build this thing? What is it? My greatest creation, the one who will give me dominion over the entire human race. He pulls a lever, right? Does he activate it? No, we don't see that. The Ultimo is just rising up out of the volcano. I guess we could just hope that next issue explains it. That's fine. Yeah, and it does because it's whatever I had. 
it's still a very tiny, again, with the reveals, Marvel, you know, it's like a still kind of a tiny panel that's not that exciting or dramatic. It is a like, little bit better because we can definitely see the the size here. This he's coming out of a volcano that the, I don't, even though it's a small panel, I do get a feeling of largeness. Yeah, but um, but we don't know what he looks like or anything. So we don't know. I don't yeah. know. Maybe maybe they're trying to be foreboding. The the thing that I don't like is that this is the title of the story. The title of the story uh, I, is Ultimo, and he's the last panel almost of the comic. This should have been titled anything else. Fleeing the bird. Um, Happy has his hair. Um, forget me not. Yeah, bedraggled Stark. Whatever See, you like, want to do. And the thing is, like Cap and his story are on the cover, so they didn't have to tell us the Mandarin was inside either. Right. That could have been a, that could have been a reveal, but it wasn't. The Mandarin with his turtle dragons. He has turtle I'm dragon sorry. statues on his castle. I think Van Plexico should write in and tell us why the Mandarin is Iron Man's greatest foe. Van, if you're listening, that's it's what you on do. you, buddy. You are the Iron Man rep. The last note I had is, you're reading the story, right? Page 11, Tony Stark gets teleported. And Mandarin's mm-hmm. like, I was looking for Iron Man, but I couldn't find him. So I got you. And Tony Stark's like, I've got my briefcase in my hand. I'm like thinking, ha, 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 Mandarin, joke's on you. And then Mandarin throws his briefcase out the window. Mm-hmm. And it's no longer happy days for Tony Stark. Oh, good thing he decided to do that for some reason. Yep. Well, you're, oh, you're my prisoner. He said, you're not allowed to. Oh, he does say, I'm taking no chances. An explosive device might be hidden in your briefcase because you're a scientist and stuff. So there you go. That's why he did it. That's what I keep in my briefcase. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you are Tony, it very well could be an explosive device in your briefcase. That's, That's true. Or an Iron Man tracking device. <laughs> or an Iron in Man my car. machine. All right. Okay. Should we jump to the other guy in this book? Our the final other- story no, for the episode. Not the Hulk. I said the other guy. Get it? The Hulk. Anyway. The gladiator, the girl, and the glory. What's this? The valiant Captain America fighting side by side with the merciless Batric in pursuit of a frail, fleeing female agent of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Wow. If you read, read our previous issue, you're hip to the extraordinary explanation. If not, don't despair, Tiger. We'll fill you in as we go cannonballing along. So climb aboard. It's going to be a blast. Script. Smile and Stan Lee, art, jazzy Johnny Ramita, lettering, adorable Artie Simek. So it kind of looks like Beatrix is trying to kick Cap on the splash page, but really they're both just trying to open this secret brick wall that Agent 13 ran through. I'm sorry, I think they just call her frail, fleeing female Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. in this. But um, they get in, and Beatrix does the after you, Mona Me thing, which is adorable. Uh, the frail female agent is scared... Because now she thinks Cap is working with Beatrix, who two seconds ago was trying to steal Inferno 42 from her. So, oh gosh, maybe this isn't even really Cap. I better click this awesome button that makes the floor dip. So she does that. Cap manages to grab onto the side. Beatrix goes, ah, and is gone. Uh, Cap confronts the frail female agent. She passes out because the Inferno 14 has been activated, which is why they're both trying to desperately get it before it blows up New York. Um, But as it's activated, it's also glowing and therefore radioactive and it makes her sick and she falls over. Cuts to them who are like, oh, I can't wait to get this thing. We've got a lead-lined thing and we're going to put it in there and I hope Beatrix gets it. Cuts back to Beatrix recovering from his fall uh, by kicking through the floor. He and Cap go at it, but... Beatrix gets the upper hand and kicks him with both feet. Every time he kicks him with both feet, that's a bad, bad thing. He grabs the Inferno 42 or 78 or whatever the hell it is and (laughs) 
leaps away and goes to them and says, I hope you have my money. And they're like, yeah, yeah, but look who you let follow you here. And they turn around and it's Captain America. It's like, we're not going to give you that money until you beat him. So he and Cap start fighting. And Cap seemingly lets them and the Inferno 42 get away while he beats up Batrick. Batroc. Um, he grabs him by his feet and slams his head into a wall. And that makes Batroc scared. So Batroc jumps through a window and, and runs away. Cap's like, okay, well, I guess I'm done here. He goes back to uh, uh, find the woman. The frail female agent. She's being taken care of by an ambulance, and she's like, "Good, good thing. Like we decided to switch the inferno with a fake inferno that I also had, right, Cap?" He's like, "Yes, that's why I let them get away." Exactly. Cough, cough. And then the ambulance drives away, and Cap says, "Man, first Bucky, then that mysterious woman I haven't named yet, and now this mysterious woman that reminds me of that mysterious woman." I just cannot hold on to potential partners. And he capsized and is capsad the end. So we still don't know who this woman is. No. We don't even know anything about the woman she reminds him of. We do not. We are one panel of that. We do know that she was running a mission. Go ahead. She was running a mission to get the Inferno 42. Uh-huh. She managed to keep it away from Batrock the Leaper, who's working for the mysterious shadowy people. Mm-hmm. And yet she is a frail fleeing female. That is a very poor caption, I think. Because you know that other shield that other shield person that that gave her that dropped it off or they exchanged was a dude and he got beat up by Batrock. So how come she's frail? He's frail. Right? That guy's frail. Larry. Is the frail one. I just made up his name. That's his name, Larry. His name's Larry. Agent so, of S.H.I.E.L.D. Larry. Yay for sexism. And from Cap 2. Like, <laughs> Cap's not really great in this. Page 9, third uh, panel. You're not threatening a helpless girl now, Batrock. I know. You know, you better get used to this because this does not get better. Yeah. Their entire like relationship. At least, if not a decade, yes. Their entire relationship is... You're a girl. You're going to get hurt. You should quit your job. That's one of the big things I remember from my read through of Cap from a few years ago. Because I got to like just after the second Kirby run. Uh And uh, yeah, Captain America and Sharon were characterized by Captain America's really patriarchal attitudes towards Sharon. Yeah. And sometimes Sharon's fighting against them and sometimes she thinks they're good ideas. And you could could either read that as... They just didn't know how to write this right in the 60s, or you could read that at as Cap came from the 40s and legitimately thinks these things. Which, you know, of all it's, the characters in uh-huh. the Marvel Universe who are sexist, uh-huh. the one who at least has the most cultural groundings for this <laughs> That's is a good Steve way Rogers. To put it. That's a good way to put it. Still not a good excuse, but it's a good nope. way to put it. So yeah, this is just the beginning of that. Although I am excited that that they are now introducing supporting characters in his book or in his story. Yes, 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 yes. That's exciting. But she is unnamed, and so is the other one. And so is the group that is uh, Batroc is working for. You're now, right. They haven't called themselves them, have they? Not in this book. Uh-huh. We have eagle eyes and connect, connect the dots and link this group to the group from Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. So this is the same. These are them from there. Yes. <laughs> The same yellow silhouetted 
old white guys. Right, 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 right. Um, now, at first, when I was reading this, I was like, if she's lying there dying, mm-hmm. why is Cap going off to pick a fight with Batrock? Right. But then I realized that she did tell him to go after Batrock to leave her there. And that probably ties into the, we didn't draw it. We're going to come up with it at the very last page to explain what just happened. Switch of the canisters. Right. Because it's like, where did she get the fake canister? But in addition to that, Cap going after them accomplished nothing. So in a way, this is kind of a blah story because he doesn't arrest Batrock and he doesn't capture them. So what was the point, really, you know? Yeah, but at the same time, it was so fun to read. It was fun. It was a good, like, fun fight. It doesn't really make sense. The the dots don't connect the way they should. But while you're reading it, you don't really care. I think that's mostly because he's just a fun character, this villain. Uh, mm-hmm. And I like that they teamed up, too, even if it was just briefly. I always like when they do that. They always, like, he's, he's kind of a horrible villain because he's not, like, uh, you know, he's certainly not one of Cap's greatest foes or anything, but he, I think he's, he's a, he is and he isn't. Like, he's not a dangerous foe, necessarily. He's a crook and a thief with some fighting skill. He's yes. not an evil person. No. He so just a is of, a lot of gray times he, area about personal property. He, a lot of times he ends up either working with Cap or turning the tide in some form because he doesn't want to see a mass murder happen or he doesn't want to die himself or even once he saved Cap because he thought that was a bad way for a hero like him to go, you know? Like, he's got a he's got some morals in there, or a set of rules or something and that don't probably involve him being evil. Working with Cap, but then, like, turning the tables on him at the end and saying, ha, 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 I'm actually mm-hmm. going to sneak this, you know, little steal or something out of the situation. It seems like the sort of, sort of story he would do. He's basically Captain America's Catwoman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that and for them. I can't tell you if they hook up off panel, but otherwise, they're pretty much, that's their relationship. Captain America likes to twist his mustache. French guys. All right. Well, that is the end of the comic. On, on that note, and the episode. Whoa. We made it through our first re-record, Mike. Yeah, and I think it was just as long as the last time we did this. Yep, I don't think it. I don't think it felt too labored. We did say a lot of things that we intentionally had said before, making it sound like uh-huh. it was the first time. Yay, acting! Yay, acting! But we did it for you, kids. Hope mm-hmm. you enjoyed the episode. Um, so I should tell them what they should listen to next time. Yeah, or read up for next time. Yeah. So next episode one hundred fifteen, which we have already recorded, is Strange Tales one hundred forty three. The Fantastic Four 49, Amazing Spider-Man 35, and The Avengers 26, finishing out the merry month of January 1966. Woohoo. So where can they find us? They can find us at makearsmarvel.com. You'll find all the episodes there. If you type Make Ours Marvel into most or all podcast apps, hopefully, it'll show up there. Uh, you can find our social media also on the website for both Twitter and Facebook. And lastly, on the website, there's a form you can use to contact us, or you can just write directly podcast at makearsmarvel.com. Every once in a while, we do a episode devoted to your, your letters. I guess they're not called letters, your emails. We've been doing that more frequently lately. So get them on in there and we'll be happy to read them. We love more frequently, them. I mean, we have done two relatively <laughs> recently. Right. So there should be a third in the relatively near future. Um, mm-hmm. but spoilers, our backlog 
is almost zero at this point. So uh, we've got to we've got to build that up again. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, you can follow Mike on Twitter at Kaiser the Great, where he posts about uh, things that he thinks about things. And he doesn't post very often, but I like the stuff that he posts. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at John Reads Comics. I have three other Twitters as well that you can follow. Oh One is uh, All the Pouches for my podcast, All the Pouches and Image Comics Podcast. Also at TFUK Podcast for Return to Cybertron, a Transformers UK podcast. Also, Logan Says Chuck is my new Twitter feed that I'm doing of just all the times that Wolverine calls Professor Xavier Chuck because Sarah Century said that she needed this in the world and I said I'm your Huckleberry and I'm doing it. I hope you're creating a spreadsheet as you go so it's also cataloged that way or something. So we well, have since this I haven't for- found the first one yet. I will make yeah. sure to start that when I do. Because <laughs> this might be a required information at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So go follow Logan Says Chuck for all of your Chuck related needs um, and Chuck yeah <laughs> we'll be here next week so until then or until Puppet Master and Egghead team up and no one can tell them apart make ours marvel, marvel.